<laughs> you remember that in the Ninja Turtles uh, Broadway musical? Yeah, the, Shredder's one number was called I Hate Music. <laughs> no, that's, that's, a rap. That's, that's different. I Hate Music is... It, it, music is part of theater, but it's, it's its own thing. Yeah. That sounds like something the Shredder would say, though. Yes, exactly. I hate music. Yeah. Those cursed turtles. But he doesn't say it like that. He says it like a crappy rapper from the late 80s. Oh. Uh, anyway, welcome to the Wages of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And, and speaking of crappy things from the 80s, oh. we have got a show for you. Yeah, this was something that I actually had suggested to Andrew, which uh, I had seen this movie, which we're about to talk about. Uh, it's called The Black Cauldron. I've seen it before, too. Oh, you had seen it? Yes. Okay. I had not seen this movie. But in, it hadn't been for a long while. It hadn't been maybe for 19, maybe 20 years. It There's... hadn't been since I was a kid. Legend has it, there was once a king so cruel and so evil that the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was trapped forever in the form of a great black cauldron. Old king, that black-hearted devil. Walt Disney Pictures presents The Black Cauldron. Escape into a world of darkness. Are you coming? Me? Go in there? Oh, no, no, no. For a long time, this movie wasn't available on video, and it only was released on VHS for the first time when I was maybe in middle school. Mm -hmm. and i don't remember exactly when i saw it uh but i might remember that too because i was a little younger than you i think when uh, it came out yeah so but you well, did you saw it on vhs i, I like will I, always be a little younger than you that statement is meaningless all right yeah um, remember that one year when i was older than you <laughs> that was a good time that was some time travel stuff um but yeah no we we watched this movie again and uh yeah, I mean, I I tried to go in with it with an open mind because, again, I hadn't seen it in so long that I just wanted to see what my reaction would be. And, uh, yeah. My reaction is not very strong. Yeah, I wish... Because there's not much in this film to react to. No, it... Well, there are things to react to, but it's just... Uh, I... I, well, first of all, it's a couple of technical things that's worth knowing. Now, this is a, the Disney movie that is almost like a bastard stepchild in the Disney catalog. Yes, and not without reason. It, it was, it came, it was being produced at a time that was a little bit strange for Disney because uh, in the seventies, this is after Walt Disney died, and even though he he left, you still had the nine old men who were the. Uh, People who had worked with Disney and had yeah. been there in the golden age. Like Frank and Ollie and uh, some of those other people. And they were still making movies which, again, you can try to argue, okay, yeah, they're, they're not as strong as the early Disney movies, but they are still of quality. Like, I could watch Robin Hood or The Rescuers and be entertained. And uh, But and you cannot watch The Aristocats. That Aristocats, movie is terrible. It's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. I bet if I watched it, I would know okay, this is not that good. But I still kind of enjoy the songs and hearing people like Phil Harris and some of those other voice actors in it. Scatman uh, Carruthers is in it as a cat. Yes. Well, I think he's Scat. Oh, he's Catman Carruthers in nah. that movie. Yeah, there um, we go. But, but the thing is, this movie was being produced at a time where Disney was being sold to uh, other... Uh, like The executives were like, all right, we got to get it out of like Roy Disney's hands. We got to put it into some people really know what they're doing and try to revitalize everything. And so they give it to Mike Eisner, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg. And it's like they come to the company and they're like, well, what do you got going on? What's this thing? The Black Cauldron? Let's check out some of this. Oh, my God. This is really dark for a Disney movie. Even before that, the, the Black Cauldron... Disney had had the rights to since the early books 70s. since 1971. The Black Cauldron is part of a series of books written by Lloyd Alexander yeah. called the the Chronicles of Prydain, which I read. Oh, you did read them. I oh, read good. them when I was in elementary school. I read all of them. They're they're pretty good from what I remember. Yeah. So now you then you'll have some context, Rose, because I didn't read the books. Yeah. Um. 
And they're pretty good books. The Black Cauldron is actually the second in the series. Yeah. And this movie actually takes the first two books and squishes them together into an unsatisfying bit, sandwich. A little bit like what Ralph Bakshi did with Lord of the Rings. Also unsatisfying. Lord of the Rings was more sat, a little more satisfying than this movie. But that's here your hero there. The problem is you can almost sense it's in this weird in-between era because Black Cauldron comes out in 1985 and already the animation in it it has some of the designs of the characters. It's the start of what would become more of the modern animation style. Like, because the next year you get the Great Mouse Detective and Oliver and Company, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, etc. And then you're off. Yeah. But, so the Black Cauldron, it, there are a lot of things I really, I do admire about it, but it's just, it, it lacks a strong story. Yes. And it's cut off at the knees by being 80 minutes with credits. It's a short movie. <laughs> yeah. The big problem that I, you know, I'm a story guy. And, you know, there's always things you can point to in a film. And especially in an animated film, people work very hard on that. Yeah. But Oh, yeah. There's a, there's film, a lot stylistically to talk about. But, but this film clearly had no chance from the beginning because of the terribly flat story. Yeah. I Let me explain the problem with the Black Cauldron. The big problem as I see it. Okay. In a good story, each story is broken up into, I don't know, what you could call maybe scenes uh, and... Segments. Yeah. There's like... Think about it as like scenes. Every scene in a good film has a sort of structure where you... It gets a little more and more exciting and then you resolve that scene and then you come back down a little bit. You're at a slightly more excited part, but then you're, you kind of calm down a bit. And then you start building up in the next scene, and you come down and, and until you get to the climax. Yeah. It's like it's kind of like a staircase of excitement. Yes. The Black... The scenes in the Black Cauldron have almost no excitement in them. Except for the slightly... Except for the action-y scenes, and then they don't necessarily play out as exciting as you'd think they are. So instead of having this really high point of the film where there's a climax, you have this very low moment of excitement when you finally get to the end. Well, it's also an issue of, uh, well, you talk about the story. I also like to look at uh, things with the characters. And the characters in this movie are pretty damn thin. They are they are thin. Especially the main characters. Yeah. And, and I mean even compared to other Disney movies. Like, you know, one of the movies that we probably disagree on the most is, is Sleeping Beauty. Yes. Because I, I don't love that movie. Right. I love I, that movie. Yeah. And, that, and that's fine. I get it. Yeah. To me, it's interesting because looking at those two movies, both uh, very ambitious spectacles for uh, Disney animation. Both were released on 70 millimeter. Okay. Those are the only two times that happened. Like, and I mean, like widescreen 70 millimeter. Like, I, I almost wish I could have seen the Black Cauldron 70 millimeter in a big theater just so I could get the visual experience of it. It's it's really about expectations, I think, because maybe coming to this sleep, coming to Sleeping Beauty, I have it in my head. Oh, this is one of the Disney classics. I can't wait, and it kind of lets me down a little bit because the some of the main characters didn't really work for me as far as their personality. But then I watched the black cauldron and it's like, man, this has even less personality as far as like, I, I, I for, kind of forgot the main characters. Even, name. even in sleeping beauty, even if the characters aren't the most complex people you've met, they have a, they are distinct from one another. Yeah. In the black cauldron, it's so the boy character and like the princess, uh, they they're kind of the same in some ways <laughs> i don't know i wouldn't say they're the same no not the same like obviously they no not I, exactly the same the main character but... is this boy named taron yes who he he's he's living in a village and he, he wants adventure yeah okay uh but he spends most of his time complaining yes. about how awesome he is and how no one realizes he is awesome <laughs> and he has an arc in this film by the end he has changed and he realized i'm not as awesome as i thought i was yeah he actually i don't know what i'm sacrificed by other yeah, characters i don't know what i'm doing i get it now <laughs> but it's a very but it's 
there, but uh, but there's very little in between that. He's, yeah, he starts whiny. He's whiny nine tenths of the way through the film, and then he has his realization. Yeah, it, like the story doesn't quite get off the ground for them. They're just kind of like, well, there's this black cauldron. I have to go and see about it, and uh, then I run into this little. I'm supposed to take a pig and hide it. Yeah, I'm supposed to take a pig because th- there there are really interesting little things in the movie like the pig that can look into this pool of water and see things yeah that's uh, kind of cool th- I mean, that's cool I mean, the horn that was in cool. the book yeah um the horn king by the way uh we have kind of a we should have a hall of fame for the <laughs> dr jack and dr andrew case files yeah. returning actor john hurt yeah i knew <laughs> i knew it was john hurt when i heard him and I had to, I, I watched through the credits just to make sure. Yeah, yeah. John Hurt comes back. And it, to me, it's, I think going into this, it's the, uh, but the opposite of, of Sleeping Beauty, because I had heard, because I had seen Black Cauldron years ago, but I'd forgotten a lot of it. I had heard so many bad things about the movie. Watching it, not all of it's bad. Like, I probably might be a little bit more on the movie than you are, just because I see all of the hard work that was put into the animation. Mm, I, or at least some of it. I, I I always have to acknowledge that animation is hard work. People yeah. work their asses off to but make But if it's an not in service film. of something that's cohesive. Yeah, big, and it's, it's really emblematic of what the problem was with Disney films at the time. I mean, you like a lot of Disney films. I grew up on a lot of Disney films like Robin Hood and yeah. The Jungle Book. Things in what you would call the Silver Age of Disney. Yeah. And I, I thought they were great. Now that I've come back to them, I said, okay, I still like these. I, they still have a nostalgic yeah. appeal. There's something... Mm-hmm. Each of these films has their moments. But the story's not there. Yeah. No, no, no. The, I'm not saying... No, no. Th- this is still a weak movie as far as compared to all the other Disney films. Like, this is definitely on the lower rung of them and it's yeah a lot of this goes, is just the goes lowest to... rung <laughs> the only thing below the black cauldron are those crappy live action movies that disney made which sucked i just... like the million dollar duck <laughs> the million dollar that was a and movie the sorcerer's apprentice with nicholas cage oh well that was <laughs> i don't even count that 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 was like oh that that was that's the worst version of Nicolas Cage. Like people seem to think that Nicolas Cage only has two types. Like he's he's either know, crazy or dramatic. catatonic. Oh well, no, no. This is him being more catatonic. This is like boring Nicolas Cage. Yeah, there is. You a, and I both know there's a lot more to Nicolas Cage than just crazy, crazy and dramatic. Yeah, there's a lot of in between stuff there. There are times where Nicolas Cage is just sitting there, being like. Okay, now you're and you can see his hand right off screen waiting for that check. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing with this movie, I I think it's more about what they were trying to do more than how it came out. Because, yeah. How, that, how so? First of all, well, you have the first Disney movie that is non-musical. Yes. They are aiming for this to be more of a a fantasy genre film like along the lines of you know at the time you had the dark crystal that came out uh in a way even though uh, i didn't read the books it has a lot of lord of the rings permeating through it yes um, well that's the kind of thing of about lloyd alexander the author of the books he yeah. was a contemporary of tolkien and c.s lewis yeah they existed in the same circles yeah i i i think i heard once that they were all actually friends but mm-hmm. i'm not sure about that because that might have just been somebody something somebody saying something I, so they they exist in those those stories exist within a time and place yeah uh so they have they were written with a lot of similarities but it does fit very well into the to the 80s fantasy yeah I think about films like The Secret of Nim or the, the same year uh, or Dragon Slayer. You, the same year you also had Legend by Ridley Scott. Yeah, I thought of that too. Yeah. It, it was very much Willow. a movie set then. Yeah, Willow. Conan I, the I Barbarian. Still, I still need to watch Willow. I haven't seen Willow in a long time. we got to watch that together. Cool. We'll make that a thing. All right, cool. Uh, but... I, I but there was a time like, in the eighties yeah. where where the, where 
high fantasy was a big thing. Yeah. And this fits very well into that. It's just that it's kind of bland. Well, tonally, <laughs> it, it's it's a bit of a it's it's a little haphazard because it like with the with all the animation involving the Horn King and all of his minions, and then late in the film when uh, they call it the Cauldron Born. Yes. Yeah, the, when they appear, I almost felt like I wonder if Sam Raimi watched this for uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah, there's a little bit of inspiration there. It. I'm like, wow, you're actually... Sometimes in art, you have to take chances. Yeah. And I felt like Disney were taking some chances with this. But the problem is it's still... It's a little schizophrenic in that it still feels like, well, we have to be a Disney movie. We have to have some, like, charming animated characters. And there are some little moments that did kind of charm me a little bit. Like, there are these little fairy characters yeah. that pop up. I mean, they're but, animated but, but a little they're, weird. But they're very slight. They, and they don't play much of a part in the story. Even the one that we spend the most time with. Yeah. I mean, the king of the fairies. This is this is another problem that I have with this film in terms of characters. We have Taryn, who is our main character. We have the princess. Yeah. We but everybody else character. seems to do just one thing that is important to the plot. Yeah. Like, we have lots of characters. We got... Princess, her name, uh, Princess Ilanwi. We have Fluterflam, who's the bard with the harp. Yeah. We have uh, uh, Dolly. I think he's like that. He's like that fairy guy who's with the wings who goes with them. We have Gurgi. Yeah. Gurgi's the one that is basically like Gollum, but crossed with an Ewok. Yeah, he is the adorable (laughs) Gollum. Yeah. (laughs) Voiced by John Biner. Right. Of course. You have to have. But each of them does only. If if you talk about an important character as play as a, a strong character is one that has an impact on the plot. Yes. Each one of those characters has does that, but only once. Yeah. It's like they did the bare minimum of justifying the presence of each character. And it's like, oh, I'm gonna the Dolly, he's like, Oh, I'm gonna take you to the swamp where the black cauldron is. And it's like he does nothing else in the story. Yeah. Ilanwi breaks Taryn out of the dungeon and she does nothing else in the story. Yeah. Uh, the bard, Fluter Flam, he's like, oh, I'll convince the witches to trade the cauldron for somebody's life. That's the only thing he does. It's like that each time. Yeah. It, it doesn't really change that much as far as that goes. It Gurgi does like the biggest thing. Yeah, Gurgi is probably the most... I liked his character probably the most. I think... I liked him, too. Because it's not just that he's... He had a lot of personality. He did have a lot of personality. I gotta admit that. Like, some people talk about this film and say he is the most annoying part. No, I liked him quite a bit. Yeah, he... he, It's not just the voice, but he does have this distinct way of talking. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And... A little I, bit of that third-person Gollumness, yes, but not quite as creepy. Yeah, he he doesn't look like a crack addict, <laughs> you know. He actually is is a bright spot in the film, but again, he does so little. Yeah, yeah, he he kind of does. I, I to to it. I'm not gonna lie, this movie is a miss. Yes, I'll say that. But it's almost kind of like a wonderful miss in a sense for me because just because I I. I probably liked looking at the movie more, like as far as how it was designed and all that. Although I will admit there are some inconsistencies in the little things. Like when they introduce uh oh, what was his character's name? Uh the guy the other guy they bring along is his name Flerderflam. Flam. Flam. Yeah. Because the way his name is spelled, it, it's like one of those is Well, it, it, this this book did come from Wales or whatever it was. So. It's based on all the names in this are Welsh, based yes. on us things. So, so they're very. You, you and I are not familiar with how Welsh works. No, no. A lot I, of I, extra I, consonants. Yeah. Um, Double he, consonants. He's very one note. Yes. And when he first appears in the movie, he's locked up in this uh, jail cell. Yeah. And the way that he's animated looks totally different from other characters in the movie. I don't know if you noticed that. He has he, a kind of scratchiness to him. It looked like I was looking at animation left over from the Sword in the Stone. Ha! <laughs> 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 but 
back when uh, the Silver Age of Disney started. Another and you got fantasy novel completely glossed over by Disney. Yes, but I still enjoy Sword in the Stone because it is having fun with that Sword in the Stone has good moments. Sword in the Stone has a lot of good moments. I, I will defend Sword in the Stone. It's not one of the greats, but it's a good and it has a style. Level movie. It, has, it has it has a style. It has a style. The songs are fun to listen to. Um, I kind of here's a good question: If maybe Black Cauldron wasn't so short, if like it actually had expanded its story a little bit more, could it have worked? Well, it certainly could have. Because this movie actually got cut down by like ten or fifteen minutes. Yes, but I ultimately now I don't know if that would have saved it. Maybe they, it was actually cut out for pacing reasons. Or something. A lot of uh, what I in my research, a lot of the cutting was done for to take out violence and really freaky stuff. This almost got an R. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, an R. Well, really, PG thirteen was what they were nervous about. They had right. to get down to a PG. This is the very first PG animated Disney movie. That was the other big deal about it. And I don't know what you could have added to this film. I mean, even if you maybe would, maybe would a lot of made it longer. Some stuff was I don't I don't necessarily believe that making something longer necessarily makes it better. I mean, but given it, more it all, given more reason given more uh, when I say longer, I guess I I mean as far as story wise. Make Taryn, Taryn a little bit less of a wet blanket. You know, I'm not afraid. Yeah. He does that more than once in, that, in this movie, doesn't he? Yeah. Does that, like, I'm not afraid. I'm going to be a big warrior. Like, that's not really that interesting. You got to give the character something else. Like, I'm trying to think of another example of a Disney character who's kind of full of themselves, but then grow to not be after a while. Can you help me out with this? I don't, let me think. Uh, Taron is full of himself. He eventually kind of he is he eventually gets you know, a little more realistic and humbled. You know what's a better version of this, and probably not by a lot, is Cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You ha- you have something to it. The problem is I haven't seen Cars. Okay. Well, in that movie, like Owen Wilson is. Uh, lightning mcqueen right and he's like i'm i'm the fastest i'm the i'm the best car there is i'm 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 a wilson i'm a car listen to me and uh and then he you know it, it's a little bit of like the doc hollywood story right. which uh he winds he ends up getting crashed in the small town and he has to like, kind of learn to be humble around these small town folks right and, but but this doesn't have that no, because it doesn't. you never get that moment enough of a moment for Taron to be humbled. Imagine if, like, I, imagine if you watch Lord of the Rings and when you see Frodo, he's like, "I'm going to be a great warrior someday." Right. That's not what Frodo is. No. That's we like Frodo because he's vulnerable. Yeah. There's not really any vulnerability to Taron. No, there's not much else to him really. No. I mean, he. We have moments in which his character changes. We don't see his character change over a certain period of time. Now, from what you remember from the books, uh, did it have more detail? That like was it better fleshed out? Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> the problem. Uh, well, I, I, I guess I should assume so if you read more than one book. Another big problem with this is that most of this stuff, co- because here it's the- it's one movie. It's one movie which encompasses the plots of two books. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff in the movie comes from the first book. The Black Cauldron doesn't come in until later. Yeah, that's like the second book. And yeah, I and I ultimately don't understand why they decided to throw in the Black Cauldron. I mean, it's a good title. It's, it's probably a better title than the Chronicles of whatever the first. The, book the first book is called the Book of Three. Which yeah, is not as great as a no. title. You, but you could have punched that up. You could have come up with something. Uh, and the black, the idea of the Black Cauldron, the actual Black Cauldron in the story, is a pretty cool idea. Yeah. They even have an, a, a very short, interesting prologue about this is the Black Cauldron. This is where it came from. This is what it does. Yeah. It's less than 30 seconds. Perfect prologue. Great. And... <laughs> <laughs> And that's like, oh yeah, that's that seems like it would be an awesome story. But so little of the story that we see actually revolves around the Black Cauldron. Yeah. And the first story is more about the Horned King. 
and mm-hmm. about where about what he's trying to do and yeah. and fighting against him. Actually, I yeah. should read the books again so that I can I get, you know what, uh, so I can really yeah. get on this. Another thing with Black Cauldron, I have a little category of movies which uh, years ago I even had like a Facebook photo album where I kept track of these, and it's this movie's called Movies I Feel Sorry For. Uh. <laughs> I feel sorry for this movie because it it was it's kind of ahead of its time. How so? Well. Right now, HBO has uh, Game of Thrones going on. Okay. And you have, like, these... Right. Well, currently it's five books. Hopefully a sixth book might come out this year. Um, and you got, like, seven, se- seven and a half or eight seasons of this show. Each season adapts, like, one of the books. So there's so much of time dedicated to, you know, developing the story. Like, th- this... I almost wish, in a way, that this was probably 30 years too late, because today, Disney probably could have taken the Chronicles of Perdian, actually adapted each book as its own movie, and taken its time with it. But sure. here, by cramming in the story and kind of watering down uh, some of the elements of what made the characters interesting, even if it's just a kid's book, it... Um, because uh, now we're in this age of lots of franchises and movie series and things like that. Like even and movies that shouldn't even series that seem pretty weak, like the, well, we did, like the Divergent series. Well, we did have our time of adapting young adult, not even young adult, but like uh, uh, children's fantasy. We did have that time of the Chronicles of Narnia mm. and. There was like Bridge to Terabithia and a lot of other oh, things. A little bit, yeah. Maybe maybe the there, Perdian uh, series got kind of got lost in the shuffle. I but there were uh, there were a few other things around that time. Like well, some of all them these tried. these different Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson. <laughs> it got a chance, but there was a time when this when the Chron- Chronicles of Perdane would have been would have fit in into our movie going habits. That time has passed. Oh, already you think that that. Now we probably lost. We we probably already left behind. We we now can't. Other franchises are really going. The on. golden hour has passed. Uh, that doesn't mean that this series isn't ripe for another try. Yeah, because I, I, the books are great. People yeah. are still reading these books, and I also feel sorry for the fact that uh, having more Disney movies, not necessarily just musicals, and being. I'm not going to say light entertainment because ultimately Disney, the movies that they made in the late 80s and early 90s, they were in a renaissance for a reason because they embraced both the light and the darkness of the early Disney films. But, you know, having Disney movies that could be successful that aren't musicals, that are trying to be a little bit more adult, like that's something that the Black Cauldron represents in some ways. But because it didn't succeed, we're not going to see many of those. Well, that's why it wasn't on home video for such a long time. Yeah, I there was when they finally... I actually remember as a kid seeing the trailer for the Black Cauldron. Huh. I'm going to put that. I'm going to put some audio from that at the beginning of this podcast. Uh... In the past, which is now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so you probably already heard this already, listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <sighs> on, on a video for Pinocchio, I'm saying. Here's the thing that. Uh, here's what I was going to say. When this finally came out on video in the '90s. Yeah. I was kind of like, what is this? Because, you know, I thought... It, there is kind of a thing when you're a kid our age. These Disney films, they simply seem to exist. Yeah. You don't necessarily understand that they are from a much earlier time in the past. They just seem like films that have existed for as long as you've been around. Yeah. And then suddenly, this is my experience, suddenly there's this commercial on tv for a different movie which looks exactly like all the other stuff you've seen except you've never heard of it before yeah it's like if somebody dug up a a lost book of the bible (laughs) it's yeah and it's or it's like ah it belongs in a museum you know that sort of thing and so this was kind of a surprising thing because they had buried it so deeply and never even mentioned it. It's they, kind they of literally like, re, re, they literally released it from the vault. This is this is at this is less known than Song of the South. <laughs> <laughs> less known than the banned Disney movie, which it's not banned. It's just Disney won't release it. No one, well, no one wants. They don't want to open up the can of worms. Like, uh, 
Yeah. The Song of the South is like toxic waste you don't know what to do with, so you just keep it locked up. And yeah. then and then uh Black Cauldron is stuff it's a because it's a disappointment and you know it's poison, so you definitely keep it locked up. Yeah. Well, this also, stays well, well, this, in the vault. Yeah, well I guess but my, my my point I was getting to, Michael so far, I feel like they were trying. They were just misguided. It just seems to me to be like the best example of the lack of direction that yeah. Disney animation had after Disney. This probably had the died. wrong direct this probably had the wrong directors too. Like the movie was directed by the same guys that directed The Fox and the Hound. Which is another movie which is kind of hit or miss depending upon I, your I opinion. kind of like The Fox and the Hound. But you or, wouldn't put it in like the top ten of Disney. You no, could, but, you but, would but, like... it's, but it's a sweet little movie that, you know, it, it, it knows what it is. Right. The Black Cauldron doesn't fully know what it is. It, I think it, I think it kind of does know where, what it is because it is part of the, the market that existed in the eighties for fantasy. It, 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 it does, was definitely it also, trying it, to be that. It was trying to be that, but then it also was kind of stuck in the fact that, oh no, we still have to be a Disney movie. Well, it ulti- by, by, by Disney movie, I mean more of the we have to. And, and ironically, when I say Disney movie, I, I, I know when I I know when I mentioned the uh, the character we were just talking about before. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Food or Flam? No, not Food or Flam. The little dog. Oh, Gertie. Yeah, Gertie. Gertie is a kind of typical Disney character I actually like. I don't know what point I'm getting at. I guess. When I say misguided, I guess I just mean the execution. I, the execution for me is ultimately terrible because the script's not there. Yeah. You could restore all of the footage with all of the darkness that they originally made. You could restore all 15 minutes of everything that was cut out of this film. It wouldn't make it... And it's it too wouldn't, fractured. It wouldn't make it a better story. Yeah, at the moment... And yeah. that ultimately seems to be the problem. The Disney animation was just making movies and there was and it, because it wasn't Disney wasn't animation anymore just animation I mean yeah by the time Disney died it was into theme parks it was into television live action films live action films and then you have this other part of the Disney Empire which is its animation department and you just say well just, you're a thing just do a just just make us some money Yes, that is ultimately their job, and there and was Black there was Cauldron no did not do that right, and, and Black ulti- Cauldron lost a lot. Black Cauldron cost as much as uh, uh, Heaven's Gate. What? Uh, I, <laughs> I I believe you, but I, I I'm incre- I'm just like what? It it if I if you go on IMDb, the uh, the budget listed under <clears throat> the budget is listed as forty four million dollars. Oh jeez. Well, it was again. It was in production for like I think five years at least and then mm. pre-production for all those other times ironically don bluth i think tried to and and ralph bakshi both tried to take stabs at, at adapting this and then don bluth you know he leaves disney because he doesn't like i guess the direction they're going yeah in. don bluth left during the fox and the hound and left them in a lurch he left them during fox and the hound and then goes and makes secret of nim which is kind of like uh, it kind of shows up disney like uh, three years before the black cauldron comes out by this time disney will get used to being shown up yeah it's over when black cauldron is overtaken by the care bears movie which came out the same exact day as wow wow can you believe that like talk about like a story of being humbled (laughs) (laughs) when the care bears is released the same time as the black cauldron and does better and the, and the Black Bears... Cauldron is out in 70 millimeter film. It's like a huge event. $44 million. Yes. Gets crushed by the Care Bears movie. Maybe. Well, okay, maybe not crushed. Well, but, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> crushed is probably too strong a word. Beaten. But, uh... When you get beaten by Nelvana, the company that made the animation for the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> made Rock and Rule. <laughs> One day I'm going to watch Rock and Rule. I, I but that's... That's why the story of Disney is now very, very interesting because I feel like this is way, their this low is, point. This is a necessary point, though. It's like we can only go up from here. And but and you know after the Black Cauldron, Disney is thinking of getting rid of its animation animated department, and then the Great Mouse Detective gives them a gasp of breath. Yeah, Great Mouse Detective is a it, brief gasp of breath. It and makes then a profit. Oliver and Company makes a profit, and then lay and then Little Mermaid really says okay we're back yeah 
not we're back a dinosaur's tale <laughs> that's a different movie. that's a different studio um i guess a, a lot of the information i guess we both know from uh, waking sleeping beauty too yes the fact and one of them I, I almost like the trivia for this movie more than the movie itself oh definitely you know what i mean like the fact that jeffrey katzenberg tr- like actually tried to literally cut into the film to yeah. get scenes out and the director's like you can't do that you don't do that with animation it's like screw it it's a movie i'll do whatever i want and then it's it was... not like you can do reshoots to make everything make sense no i mean i think they actually did delay the movie yes they did uh to d- rework some things damn if it shows uh and ultimately these these directors of the black cauldron end up not really doing much else after this uh no like uh the two directors are tim ted berman and richard rich richard rich you know it's yeah but like you look at cruel parents yeah uh this guy ted berman only directed fox and the hound the black cauldron this guy richard rich um he directed uh sequels to alpha and omega what have you ever heard of alpha and omega no <laughs> good it's like a movie it sounds involving... like a low-rent christian animated movie <laughs> yes it's a low-rent christian animated movie where dogs uh, show you christian acts what <laughs> i'm just speaking of... no it, it actually does involve talking dogs that's why i was just like <laughs> Like Alpha and Omega Two, a holiday adventure. Oh jeez. <laughs> and uh, Alpha and Omega Three, the Great Wolf Games, and Alpha and Omega Five, <laughs> family vacation. Oh man! <laughs> One day I am gonna do an Alpha and Omega marathon, and it will be the saddest thing in my life. I I find Jack with <laughs> with a gun to his head. <laughs> I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do it. Yeah, but this is an example of um, not too unlike Michael Cimino, where one movie really kind of damaged your career. Well, we don't know. It's not like Richard Rich and the other guy won an Oscar for their previous efforts. No, but but you you, you come and present like, oh, yeah, I directed The Black Cauldron. They'll be like, really? (laughs) Get out. Yeah, but it, again, it kind of interesting to watch, even though, yeah, it doesn't work. No. It doesn't work overall. I found a little bit more in it than I think you did uh, to kind of admire, but it is still something that I don't really feel the need to ever watch again. No. Um, oh, also another interesting Tim Burton worked on this movie. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, he originally wanted to try to get uh, the alien face hugger design. <laughs> in yeah. the movie somehow i thought that was pretty interesting <laughs> i'm just trying to think of other things to talk about because it's like there's not much else to talk about with the actual movie uh, yeah. what could disney have made that would have been better than this when you say what they could have made like, come up I, what i mean is come up with a better idea than the black cauldron it's mm, a good question like you mean like maybe a different adaptation no, I mean, like, what would anything that would have been a better idea than making the Black Cauldron? <laughs> Taking that, that those $44 million and putting them towards something else. Oh, God. Yeah, $44 million. At that time. Because, think about it. Remember when I was talking about Frozen? Disney had been trying to make a version of the Snow Queen yeah. since the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Disney had also been trying to make a version of Beauty and the Beast since sure. the 40s. What story could they have been working on? Instead of doing this. Uh, I don't know. Um... Hansel and Gretel. That would have fit our 80s uh, fantasy niche. And they would have had, you know, you could have had a nice gingerbread house with with evil candy. A witch with candy minions. That would have been nice. Yeah, (laughs) maybe maybe that. uh, um... Quick to the time machine. I don't know. Maybe they could have done their ver- version of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, granted, we would have been denied the uh, Jeremy Irons version. Oh. I have dragons! I just Ah! Yeah. 
You know what's a weird thing about the Horned King? Okay. He talks, obviously, because he has John Hurt's voice, but his face is skeletal. Yeah, it doesn't move much. His mouth moves. Okay. When he's talking. Mm-hmm. But he has no lips. So when he's talking, what you're seeing is something like this. (laughs) You could dub anything you want into there. Yeah. It's like the easiest bad lip reading ever. It's such a strange choice because, you know. Couldn't they have given, well, I know he's supposed to be a skeleton thing, but you could have tried to make it so that his mouth moves But it's like the logic is inconsistent because he obviously can't speak words if he doesn't have lips. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, this is a fantasy film. We're going, we're obviously taking liberties with reality, but why would they decide to make his mouth move? It it makes him look, it makes him look ridiculous. (laughs) Damn if I know, man. I don't know. I mean, John John Hurt was easily one of the better parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, he probably, he probably put a day's worth of work into this. Sure. (laughs) You know, Uh, the Horned King is not present through, through most of this film. Yeah, I mean, I think as a kid... Instead, it, they have that stupid goblin servant, who is the probably the most annoying character. Yeah, he is film. pretty annoying. He's awful. Yeah, he, he's like the kind of character that I, I could have done without. And maybe if... When you have people who have seen the Black Cauldron in their childhood... Remember, the Horned King is one of the scariest-looking villains in Disney because well, he's, he's he's drawn very frighteningly. Yeah, I mean, he's he has this red cowl. He has horns coming out of his head. His face is skeletal. He has these long fingernails. He's pretty awesome-looking. You, you've never seen anything like it in a Disney film, so I have to give them props for that. The problem is, is that he's in it so little, and he's replaced by villains who are so much less compelling than he is. Yeah. You have those three witches who are just kind of, you know. The Horn King should have been like the Darth Vader of this movie. Yeah. He could have been. He could have been the Darth Vader of this movie. Yeah. You know, he could have been choking have people been like, to death with his actual hands. Yeah, he could have been like a what, what Darth Vader became, like a cult figure. Yeah. <clears throat> so, any final thoughts? Let me, uh, give me a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, like I said, I could say that I, if I had ever had a chance to see this on the big screen, I might've taken it just because it would be interesting to me to see an animated movie on 70 millimeter and to get that huge experience of, uh, well, that's why we should see, see sleeping beauty if it ever comes to the theater. It won't. Maybe. But you know, um, no, maybe not. Um, it, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I wish there was more there, but again, it, it's, it's kind of, it, one of its biggest problems as we've talked about is that it's kind of slight and it, it's flat. The characters are flat. The plot is flat. It's gloriously weird, which I kind of appreciate, but like, there's also like, for example, there's that scene with those three female witches. Yeah. And there's this one part where I actually got a screen grab it on my phone like this frog the is frog stuffed down falls her... in her cleavage yeah it's like i never saw that in a disney movie <laughs> I, they're pretty much they're pretty much itching to do it because her breasts are so large in in the movie it's just you know yeah they're going for it it's just but even that scene where that might be the most interesting thing that happens in this movie it's like that whole scene is built on, oh, let's turn this man into a frog. No, I don't want you to turn him into a frog. We're going to go back and forth changing him from frog to human. And that yeah. scene doesn't necessarily re- resolve. It just ends. Yeah, it just ends. A number of scenes here just kind of end. Um, also, I guess you could say the princess doesn't really... I guess she does kind of break him out of prison. Yeah, but that's uh, the only thing she does. Yeah, th- it's a very forced love interest kind of thing. Well, we don't see much of that in in any event. It's not like the, by the end they get married. Yeah. Or that, or they we at the end it's just like, oh, my, we're friends. But, well, but yeah, but it's like I don't even know why they're friends. I guess because they're working together. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, <laughs> again, what did they do together? They escaped from a prison. They were trying to get this pig away from harm, but... And then the pig disappears, like, midway through the film, and... You know. Maybe it could have been an awesome 
short. Well, maybe they just condensed it to being like a short story in some way. No, like, I don't think that's it. I th- not even that either. They could have just written a good script. <laughs> I this is I I keep thinking yeah. of what's wrong with this and how to, and how to improve it. It's just you can't improve it by cutting. You can't improve it by adding the stuff that was cut. You can't improve it because there was it was built on nothing. Yeah. It's like if you built a house on top of a pile of mud. <laughs> nothing I do to the house is going to fix it because uh, everything beneath it is just mush. Now you're making me think of another movie, uh, The Neverending Story. Yeah. Another 80s Another eight, but and that ha- and that has a style that has a story which that that really is affecting. That's really emotional. Yeah. I mean some of those images are haunting. Yeah. Also based on a on a fantasy book. Too. Yeah, a fantasy book. Um. Anyway, was there one more thing you wanted to say though? You were no, I think I've I've I, I think I've said all I need to say about this film. Yeah. I, we I we completely understand why th- why this ended up the way it did. Yeah, because it it went through a lot of different changes. There probably wasn't very strong supervision of the Disney animated uh, department at that time. I just find- and then by the time that Katzenberg came in there, he was just like, "Oh, this is a total mess. You gotta redo it," and it just kind of made it more of a mess. And uh, I, I actually would like to uh, uh, maybe just give a quick quote to uh, a previous uh, Wage of Cinema guest, uh, Gabe Rodriguez, because his review kind of sums it up um near the end he says the film is a mess which had the potential to be a great five film franchise if adapted better made by a struggling studio that was very lost fortunately disney would find itself again but this film has never found its audience true i think that sums it up it never found its audience maybe like there's a tiny cult of there actually is a small group of black cauldron fans who want it released on blu-ray I know that that's a, like literally there is a thing where like I've gone on message boards and seen people say like I've sent an email to the Disney department trying to find out when you're gonna release the black on Blu-ray. Oh, you really took time out of your day to do that. Disney sends them a response, which is just a picture of a middle finger. <laughs> it's a picture of they just send them the scene from uh, you've seen the South Park episode with Mickey Mouse. No. Where oh, there's this great episode of uh, South Park where Mickey Mouse, basically he's Disney. Yeah. And I forget the context, but it involves something with the Jonas Brothers, <laughs> and they're kind of acting out of line. And Mickey Mouse comes in and beats the shit out of one of the Jonas Brothers. Jeez. And the thing is, he's like cursing and acting like a real asshole, but he's still doing the ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> And then at the end, Mickey becomes uh, Mickey Godzilla, mm. and he's Mickey Mouse from <laughs> crashing through. I know it's neither here nor there, but I just, I just, <laughs> Disney should just send that scene to people asking about the Black Cauldron on Blu-ray. <laughs> this is a classic. Not... It must be restored. <laughs> Do not raise up what you cannot put down. Um, right. I don't think I have any more thoughts. If you, if you guys have seen this movie, like uh, uh, fellow listener Gabe Rodriguez has, uh, send us an email to wagesofcinema at gmail.com and uh, let us know if you think it's uh, an undis- un- 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 underrated classic or a piece of crap. Um, and we'll happily disagree with you. This will decide the issue forever. Yeah, if you tell us, we will be able to decide it <laughs> disney's the black cauldron um at long last yeah um i know like initially i was a little torn about which because there are there are a small handful of disney animated bombs uh there aren't that many because usually the disney animated movies end up being successful because you know they're animated kids movies kids are gonna go out to see them I they have was, a wide audience. Yeah, I was torn between doing this initially and Home of, on the Range. Hmm. Have you heard of that movie? Yeah. That was the one that kind of killed hand-drawn animation. At least for a time. Maybe it has for good. Well. You never know. I mean, maybe somebody someday will come and be like, I have a really great idea. I want to do this hand-drawn. But... Well, hand-drawn has no meaning anymore because... 
yeah whether you want something that looks like two-dimensional hand-drawn animation or if you want it to look like pixar animation quality it's all done with computers anyway the tools have changed yeah, yeah. forever you, you don't really have the cells to do it like actually this was one last and you know considering how tough animation is anything you can do to make it an easier process is good black cauldron was the last film to use the multiplane cameras yeah i noticed a few of those multiplane shots yeah i did too and it's kind of weird that i noticed them but i think it's just because of how many of those animated films i've seen right like there was one push in that looked like out of snow white yeah i that i think that's one of the ones i i saw too yeah so thanks for listening to us uh kind of dissect uh, the black cauldron to the best of our ability and uh, hopefully we'll return and do more of these Dr. Jack and Dr. Andrew episodes because I, I really enjoy them. I like looking Disclaimer, at... Dr. Jack and Dr. Andrew are not actually doctors. No, don't don't come to us asking uh, what to do about that uh, that cold you've been fighting all week. Well, I mean, you can ask us, but we won't give you good advice. Well, we'll tell you to go get a bottle of Robitussin. We're not liable. <laughs> no, no, we're not liable. Uh, I, I'm as much of a doctor as... Uh, if you watch The Black Cauldron five days in a row and it kills you, it's not our fault. No, I mean, you can send a message to me or send a message to Dr. Quackenbush. It's the same thing. Dr. Hackenbush. Oh, Hackenbush. <laughs> actually, I mean, I almost... Quackenbush is a real name. Yeah, actually, yeah, Hackenbush. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, we'll return next week, uh, or very soon, with more episodes. Uh, and we have a very new segment that we're going to premiere next episode. You remember the list? You remember the cinema immersion tank? We, now, we got a new thing that we're doing. And it's called... It's fresh for the year. It's called, What the Devil Is That? Yes. It is. Yes. <laughs> That's the name of the segment. And and we'll leave you there. Yes. We'll see you next time on What the Devil Is That? A subsidiary of the Wages of Cinema, LLC. Yes. Cool in the gang. Yes. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And the wage of cinema is death. Good night. In 70mm photography and six-track Dolby sound, Walt Disney Pictures presents The Black Cauldron. Soon the Black Cauldron will be mine. Whoa. Trouble. Goodbye. The Black Cauldron.